Promo Kitchen is an all-volunteer, nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, please visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. One of the ways you can get involved is by donating to our cause. We rely on our community for financial support to help cover the cost of producing our educational content and our networking mixers. You can donate today right from your phone at promokitchen.org slash donate. Thank you so much, and let's get started with the show. Hey everyone, it's Mark Graham here, and I want to thank PPAI for their support of this episode. I want to tell you about an exciting event that PPAI is hosting at Advertising Week New York. I'm not sure if you have heard the news, but Seth Godin, yes, marketing legend Seth Godin, has just written a new book called This is Marketing. On October 2nd at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, PPAI CEO Paul Bellantone will sit down with Seth for an exclusive Q&A, and you are all invited. The first 100 attendees will get a copy of Seth's new book, and a signing will follow. I have had the chance to interview Seth twice on this very podcast, and he's one of the sharpest marketing minds out there. I hope you will attend either in person or via the live webcast on October 2nd. To register, please visit ppai.us slash Seth. Thank you very much, PPAI, for your support. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring boundary pushers, rabble-rousers, freaks, and geeks who are shaking up the $23.3 billion promotional products industry. On September 14th, Hub Promotional Group rocked the industry by announcing that they had acquired Origadio and that Jason Lukash and Mike Zimsak were joining the Hub management team. To some, it felt like Origadio would never sell. To others, they felt that Jason and Mike might not fit at a more traditional, larger supplier. So in true Promo Kitchen fashion, we wanted to get to the bottom of it to find out why and how this deal went down, as well as to what this deal means for the broader promotional products industry. So with that, let's get to my conversation with Jason Lukash, co-founder of Orgadio. Hey, Jason, it's so great having you on the podcast here today. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. All right, so let's get down to it. Orgadio sells to Hub Pen. I never thought that I would see that headline. Tell me about this deal, man. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, so thank you, first of all. Yeah, we were acquired on the 14th of September by Hub Promotional Group, which is crazy. You know, definitely it's like selling one of your children off, right? Like Mike and I started this nine years ago, grew it to where it is today, and then yep. were acquired by Hub. So this deal had been in the works for a while. We've known, you know, the guys at Hub for many, many, many years. We shared a lot of the same reps, have a lot of the same customers. We just kind of run in the same circle, I guess, if you want to call it that. And Mike and I decided it was kind of time to, you know, cash out some of our chips and be part of something even bigger in order to grow the Orgadio business more and more and more. And we feel like Hub was kind of like the right partner to do that. It definitely took a lot of behind the scenes like work to do any type of deal takes that much work, but it took a lot of work for us to get to this point. And we just, you know, thought the hub promotional group was kind of like the right next step to grow the Orgadio baby into a teenager, I guess, about to get their driver's license. 
So huge deal, huge announcement. We kind of still coming through all the response and texts and phone calls and emails. We got hundreds and hundreds of people kind of talking about this. And I'm happy to talk to the PK crew about this. And it's kind of weird. You know, usually you and I host podcasts together, but now I'm, I'm the one who's being drilled by Mark Graham questions. <laughs> yeah, it's going to so. be tough. Yeah. So companies, very broadly speaking, get acquired for one of two key reasons, one of which is that they're on financial straits, that they're going bankrupt, and they have to sell the company because they have no other choice. Right. I highly doubt that was the case in this case. Correct. Yeah. The other, again, very general way that people sell is that they realize that they can't grow without access to capital. And when they're acquired or there's a cash infusion that they can really take it to the next level. I'm assuming it was the latter for you guys. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, fastest growing supplier in the industry, like five years in a row or whatever it was by Counselor Magazine. We super profitable. We are huge. And for us, you know, definitely to take it to the next level, we needed a capital injection. And, you know, if you go back, like, what, seven years, Mike and I were on Shark Tank. We could have taken money from Robert Herjavec when we did that deal on air on Shark Tank, which we never took the money in real life. We could have done angel rounds across the way. We could have went to an ATM. We could have went to a bank. But the strategic partner in your corner, I think, is best use of capital. And we want to have the right partner in our corner to help grow the business more and more. So that's how we actually got to this point to decide that we wanted to do a deal with Hub or just even do a deal in general, too. Right. And had this deal not taken place and you, let's say, continued to try to grow organically, like, do you think there's a point when Oregadio just would have capped out? Or was it really just more a race against your ambition in terms of triple, quadruple the size? Yeah, it was definitely like a race against time almost. You know, we have huge goals for Oregadio and we've executed on all those goals pretty much that we've set out to do over the years, whether it's sales goals or just, you know, I guess like the percentage of the market that we dominate goals. In order to do that, we wanted to get the right partner in as quickly as possible to help scale it even more. So the goal, you know, is to have like increased distribution, increase like product synergies, be part of a bigger enterprise, which we can talk to with our new roles at Hub and continue to make a major splash on this industry like we have over the last couple of years. So in order to get to this point, you know, we want to try to do a deal as quickly as possible because time is always of the essence, you know? Yeah. So if we talk about access to capital being one thing that Hub has an advantage, if you and Mike looked at the Oregadio business, were there other areas of your business you felt were, I hate to use the word weakness, but an area that you were not nearly as strong in that you knew that partnering Hub would just give you a huge ability to fill in a hole? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, so let's use like two big examples. One, I'll start with your country, Canada, right? Like we literally sold more in the state of North Dakota than we did in all of Canada last year. So, which is crazy, right? Right. We have always done business kind of a little here and there in Canada, but, and you'll probably vouch for this, Canadians want to buy from Canadian suppliers or Canadians want to buy from companies that produce and ship product from Canada in order to make you guys look better. You know, and you guys dealt with this as a right slave to your end user customers, right? So, yep, 100%. That was a huge play for us. Canada is a strong market, something we always kind of like dabbled in a little bit, but in order to crush it, we want to find someone with a production plan slash execution strategy north of the border. So, with Hub's acquisition of Debco a couple months ago, we see that as a big potential play. So, one of the first things that we're working on currently is trying to get Oregadio product north of the border. Yep. So we can produce and ship out Depco's facility in the Toronto area. 
second would be kind of like an online strategy, right? So if you look at Hub's top 20 customers and you look at Origadio's top 20 customers, yep. there's a lot of huge gaps there. And I'll use the biggest, which is Foreign Print, right? So Foreign Print, the largest distributor in this industry, one of Hub's biggest customers, Origadio, we've literally never sold to them ever. We do $0 with Foreign Print, which is crazy because if you think about how and people are kind of familiar with our product offering and our got a market strategy of like the one piece on demand and three business day approach that fits perfectly for foreign print and other online retailers or e-commerce providers, I guess, in the promo space. So that was another huge play for us. We wanted to try to gain some market share in Canon. We went against market share on, you know, the e-commerce promo biz. And we thought, you know, instead of trying to figure this out ourselves, find someone who's got those relationships and, you know, piggyback on those as well too. Right. I mean, I think that's an interesting way of putting it. When you looked at your top 20 accounts versus hubs, if you had the same customers with the same kind of volume, then there wouldn't be as much opportunity to grow. Right. Yeah, there's huge opportunity to grow. And especially, I mean, we're in California, right? So we're super strong on the West Coast. We're strong with all the other distributors that everyone else in this industry is strong with, but we skew more towards the left coast, right? So I guess part of the, you know, the further play for hub too is and why it was attractive to us. If we could produce product out of you know, Braintree in Massachusetts or, you know, Beacons facility in Minnesota, which are both goals. You know, we want to try to deliver product to the customer from the time they order to the time they receive product in four days. So that's two days production, two days ground shipping. That's the goal, right? Especially with our one piece on demand business model, we have to do that in order for it to be affordable and I guess a long-term play. So that was another huge part of why we decided to go with Hub too, is the increased distribution network, I guess that they've slowly been building over the last couple of years. Right. If Joe was on the, Joe Fleming, yeah. the head of Hub was on the call, he might be able to answer this question directly. But since he's not on the call, I'll see what you have to say about this. I think that there's a view that one of the reasons why an Orgadio would have been attractive to Hub is that you've got a youthful kind of rebel energy to your brand. I've certainly a very cool energy to your brand that a lot of traditional promotional product suppliers just don't have. Right. And Hub, I think I'm probably not going on in a big line, is not really known for being a cool, modern, rebel-style supplier. Correct. That's not to say they're not doing things great. Like Joe and his team have built a rock-solid, very dependable, predictable business with high-quality product. But if you look at the two of you guys on the surface or both of your brands, the initial look at them would suggest that you're from very different worlds. Right. Yeah. You know, that was, and I'll speak for Joe and I'll speak for the rest of the hub team is why they decided to come after Borgadio. One lifestyle, cool brand. I mean, I'm not saying we're the coolest thing in the world. We're the coolest thing in a pretty corporate environment. Right. So that plays in our favor. And that plays in Hub's favor. West Coast presence, right? If you look at all the other companies that are under the Hub umbrella, there's nothing on the West Coast. Yep. Different go-to-market strategy, different product offering. And actually, I think a brand is different than a supplier, right? So we're more of a brand. You know, we'd sell retail, we sell promo, we've got e-commerce. We're kind of a different play. Plus, I think the biggest attractive reason why Hub bought Origadio was the people, like Myself, Mike, the rest of our team here, we're going to bring huge value to the hub promotional group, I guess, branded companies in the future. And that was 
for them. And from my understanding, one of the biggest reasons why I decided to acquire Origadio. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's very synergistic when you think about the different approaches to things. And yeah. ultimately, the reason why these deals are successful or why they fall apart is not so much like one is corporate and one's cool, is really a shared value set. Right. And I mean, that maybe lead to a question about the value set. Like, how do you, when Joe and his team were speaking to you, like, what was it about their value set that really stuck with you and Mike to pay serious attention to doing the deal? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as you can probably imagine, we're approached by a lot of people. And Hub's a, let's use HubPen and Joe's company, for example. Hub Pen, you know, was started seven years ago. Joe's dad started the company. It's a family-run business. People have met Mike Fleming. Joe still works there. So it's a family-run yep. business. Debco, the same. Best down in Texas, the same. So Mike and I, as much as people think we're brothers, we're not blood brothers. We're friends that started a business together. For us, we wanted to find a kind of similar mindset where it's a family-run business. I was acquired by the bigger entity and that I think was kind of a play. It's a family first company, yeah. right? Like whenever I talked to Joe and Gabe at 10X or anyone else, so 10X is a private equity firm that kind of backs the whole yeah. platform. The questions always first were always like, you know, my wife and I had our new daughter five months ago. It was always like, hey, how's your wife? How's your daughter? Like it was always family first conversations instead of like, hey, okay, so this is what we need to get yeah. this deal done, which is yeah. very important to myself and yeah. like the rest yeah. of our team. So we want to align ourselves with someone that kind of did that. And, you know, the bigger thing, I guess, was if we joined one of these big, big companies, you know, we wouldn't really be able to push the needle and pave our own path for the future as much as we were able to at Hub. You know, that was something that was super, super important to us is if we were going to be part of a bigger entity, and we wanted to be able to set the path for that entity. So by agreeing to do a deal with Hub, we know we'll be able to have a major say on the path that Hub goes and grows into the future part of the promotional products industry. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Why don't we shift gears and I'd love to know what your new role and Mike's new role will be within this new entity. Sure, yeah. So Mike is VP of BizDev. So people know Mike Fleming from Hub. And then people know Mike Hicks from Best down in Texas, I'm sure. So the three Mikes, Mike Simzak, Mike Hicks, and Mike Fleming are all the kind of guys in charge of growing the Hub promotional group business across the US. Mike will still be like CEO of Oregadio and help run our facility down in Southern California. But him with the two other Mikes will be trying to grow Hub's business from a sales perspective. Right. Myself, I'll still be president of Oregadio and then I'll be senior VP of marketing and product for Hub okay. for the whole group. Which is cool because, you know, I do that already at Oregadio. For me, I definitely wanted to help rebrand or relaunch the Hub Promotional Group name, whether it's called Hub Promotional Group or Mark's Toy Company or whatever it is in the future. Right. One of the big things that we're going to be doing is rebranding and coming up with a synergy across all the different companies in the portfolio to make it make more sense to the customer, right? So that's one of the first things. And then product, I feel like we've definitely hit the nail on the head in terms of a product development perspective at Oregadio. My goal is to work with all the teams at all the different hub promotional group brands to encourage the same type of special sauce, if you want to call right. that, across all their product right. offerings too. So bigger roles, we technically have bosses now is weird, but we still wear shorts and flip-flops. So that was super important to us. Right, well, right. Yeah, absolutely. I think someone had said on social media, time to you know put on a suit, Jason. And, and, and my, <laughs> yeah. 
that was definitely like uh, written into the employment contracts is like no suits right. equals we still work here. Yeah. So. You know, I know I made the comment about having a more traditional approach to their marketing is interesting. I had the opportunity to sit beside Joe Fleming at an ASI dinner a few years ago. It was a Chicago awards dinner. And I didn't really know him other than I knew Hub and had done a little bit of business with them. And again, my view was it was a really great, you know, bedrock traditional company in the industry. And I thought like, right. okay, well, the CEO will probably be the same. And I was yeah. so taken aback. He was such a quirky character. <laughs> and when I say quirky, I mean, like, that's a compliment. And yeah. we just hung out and chatted the whole night. And I really, really enjoyed it. And we didn't really speak about business a lot. It was just really a wide ranging topic of conversation. So it was really interesting to see the personality that sort of bubbled beneath the surface of this traditional brand. I mean, I suspect you probably saw that too. Oh, for sure. You know, like Joe's like the mayor, right? So you go to a trade show and the first thing he's going to do is get you over to the hub laser machine and personalize a pen for you, which is awesome. You know, like that's why people really, really like him. He's definitely quirky. You know, they're super Boston, which is funny to me just because we're from the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're making, I guess, hub promotional group a force to be reckoned with in this industry. I mean, we're now, I guess, we'd rank as number nine on the ASI's top 40 supplier list, which is awesome. Yep. We've got a lot of firepower. I mean, we're definitely digesting all these recent acquisitions because there's been five and 10 months now. Yeah. We're the seventh. Yeah. So we're trying to regroup, get our act together from a branding and marketing perspective and hit it hard in 2019 at PPI and beyond. Yeah. So yeah, they're quirky individuals, but definitely they fit the mold that we, Mike and I like to associate and work with. And yeah. we're happy to work with those guys. Let's talk a little bit about how you see wrapping your arms around all those different brands. I mean, you mentioned five in the last 10 months, but there's also many more before 10 months when right. Joe and his team were buying companies. And you're in all these different product categories, different regions of the US and also in Canada now. You got a lot of egos with these successful entrepreneurs that have built their companies and now have you know been acquired. How do you step into that maelstrom, so to speak, and wrap your arms around it to create a consistent story? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot, right? So like seven companies, you've got Beacon out of Minnesota, who was kind of like the first company that was purchased. And Beacon is known for just having kind of like all sorts of yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. Whether it's, you know, table covers or rain gauges or anything under the sun, Beacon's like the go-to for that, right? Then after that, there is Best down in Texas, which is, you know, associated with Cooler Graphics, who's like kind of drinkware and koozies or coolies, if you want to call it that. They patented like the slat bracelet of coolies, which is awesome to me. And then you've got Debco up in Canada. You've got BCG, which was done last Monday, right before us, based out of Montreal, uh, which is part of the good like Canadian synergy. And then you've got us. So it's quite a mix of companies. Like you said, different types of people running each of these businesses who have built it together. Is I think the biggest thing is we just have to work together towards a common goal. Everyone's got the same mindset, which is we want to keep continuing to grow and crush it in this industry. I think we're technically, in my mind, we are the number one hard goods supplier, like only hard goods supplier in the space now. Because, I mean, we're not doing apparel, you know, PCNA and hit and these guys are touching apparel we're not touching, touching apparel at all so it's a lot to take in we just have to align we're going to do a leadership meeting here in the next couple of weeks to try to get everyone on the same page because a lot of us haven't even met face to face in person before we've been working behind the scenes on getting this deal done and we need to come up with a common plan which is fun it's super exciting to me and 
it's almost like we're starting over in a sense, like from a startup perspective, which is cool. We, we get to build this thing together. And I think everyone's got skin in the game. You know, Mike and I rolled equity. So we're equity holders at Hub. So we all want to grow this thing even more because we're all equal partners, I guess, in it. So, which is awesome and fun and exciting because if we worked with one of these big guys, we'd have our equity role would be a small, small percentage, right? Like of like a billion dollar plus company. And since we're all kind of equal in the same boat as this thing is we can grow it more and we're all working together to hit those same goals. So Right. You've got a bigger voice uh, at the table as opposed to being absorbed by someone considerably bigger that may get tired of you and, you know, push you out the door. I mean, it, you read these stories about Google acquiring some hot, cool startup at a Silicon Valley or wherever, and they show up and there's six people at Google and all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> they just get lost. Yeah. Being out here, I'm close to that. Being out here in the Silicon Valley, I've had a couple of friends companies that were acquired by like LinkedIn and Facebook. And yeah. the same thing is, you know, they're now a 50 person team within a 5,000 employee company. And it's like yeah. that team is no longer a team for us. That was super, super important. We're not changing anything. We have all the same staff. We have the same multi-line reps. We have our orders process the same. There's literally no changes at all from a customer-facing standpoint or yeah. an internal standpoint. That was really important when yeah. we were evaluating all these different deals. Yeah. I'll ask you this question. I suspect you probably don't know the answer to it just yet because you haven't had those meetings. Maybe we need a follow-up podcast in six months <laughs> or so. But what I've always admired about you, Jason, and you and I go back you know, some time is you are a certain kind of marketer. You bring a human element to things. You exploit channels that a lot of other people don't understand, like social media and video. You do a really good job there. And you, know, you create a sense of magic around, how do I say, previously unexciting products. I mean, there's a million suppliers who sell Bluetooth speakers. There's lots of people who sell bags. There's lots of people who sell the kinds of products you do, but you right. put a, a great spin on it, a great story, great packaging probably make more margin on the product because you do that. Yeah, definitely. How do you think you'll be able to take that mindset, which I'm sure is a very admirable, or how do I say it's a mindset that I'm sure Joe and his team really wanted with the acquisition. How do you bring that mindset, that rebellious mindset, I think is what I'm trying to say, into the tried and true, more volume oriented, lower margins, like you've got to have the right price point or else distributors just not going to buy it. You mentioned for imprint, for imprint, I'm just making an assumption here is probably not going to want to pay, you know, three X for a pen when they know they can get it from say another supplier at a lower price. Right. So you've, you've obviously got to lead with price and, and that's maybe not the kind of marketing that you've specialized in or audio. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that comes, but do you have any comment about that? Yeah, it's definitely like the fine line, right? Like I could make like, let's use our Rhapsody headphones. I think the box costs us like $8, just the cost of the box. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to drop an $8 box on a dollar pen, right? But maybe on that $4 pen, we'll drop a $2 box to try to increase the, the overall, I guess, value to the customer. But yeah, it's going to be a work in progress. We're really going to have to figure it out. There's definitely some things that we're not going to be able to make a major change to. And I don't want to do that. Everything's working currently perfectly in Hub. Like I could literally not make any sort of impact, which they don't want. But the Hub business is growing substantially. Each of the brands is growing substantially from a top yeah. line and bottom line perspective. So anything else that we can do is just icing on the cake. But we don't want to mess anything up. The goal is to maintain the norm, right? 
we don't want to come in here and make all sorts of changes because we don't want to affect anyone's business. So if we do a little here and there on some of the brands, I think it'll work. Whether it's some cool packaging on some pens, whether it's redoing BCG's website, whether it's figuring out some sort of like co-branding opportunity with Bests in Oregadio where we can sell speakers, backpacks, and water bottles together, whatever it is, that's all just like the extra fluff that'll help take that value up even higher. So right now, the goal is just to maintain the status quo, get everyone together, and then figure out how to crush it together without yeah. messing anything up. Yeah, but let's do schedules. I mean, for six months, I'd love to like almost be a fly on the wall. Like you should bring a recording, a recorder into that, that, that meeting that you're going to have with all of your new colleagues. But I mean, I also make this observation that, you know, from my perspective, I've just been someone who's been a distributor and of course a service provider now in the industry. My first reaction was like, oh, this is crazy. But then I looked at it and I looked at all the suite of brands and I looked at all the people behind it, right? If you've got Joe Fleming at Hub, you've got Gary at Beacon, you've got Stan at Debco, you've got you and Mike. And what really unites all of you is that you've created these great category killer businesses. And each of you are these intrepid, dare I say, scrappy entrepreneurs that are just able to like almost succeed against all odds. And I'll give you a quick little example, given that I'm from Canada and I know Debco very, very well, that there was a belief some time ago that Debco was going to be in real trouble when Leeds came north of the border. And Leeds, of course, wonderful supplier, much bigger, more resources, and lots of respect for Leeds, even to this day. And when they came into Canada, I think there was a view amongst us in Canada, like, oh gosh, Debco's amazing, but how are they going to be able to compete with Leeds and everything that they bring to the table? And what ultimately happened is, of course, that Debco continued to thrive, Leeds continued to thrive, the Canadian market exploded, and it encouraged everyone to be innovative. And it was just a, a great lesson when I looked at someone like Stan, said, like, here's someone who just you know, took on a big competitor and both thrived. And I feel there's a lot of commonality between you and members of the other leadership team. So that's my observation from the cheap seats. Yeah, we're definitely trying to form like the Motley crew here, you know, like we're each have our respective talents, but we each have the same entrepreneurial thread and itch that we allowed us to all start our own businesses, right? Yeah. So it's different, I think, but yeah. And, you know, from your perspective, too, you kind of hit it perfectly is there's room for everyone, right, in this industry. And people and distributors buy from people they like, right? Like, yeah. even if, you know, PCNA was coming across the border, people love Stan in Canada. So the people that love Stan are going to keep working with Stan. Even if Stan's prices are a little higher than PCNA, this is a relationship driven industry and the relationship's the number one standpoint. And that's because, the distributors that beat you up or beat suppliers up over price, right? Like those are the distributors that aren't going to be there at the end of the day to help grow your business, right? They are going to want like a five cent cost savings. And those aren't the people that you built your brand with. And those aren't the people that took your brand to the next phase of whether it's acquisitions or growth. So, you know, all of us associate with the same core group of customers, respectively, at each of the companies. And, you know, like there's still a couple of gaps, but we associate with those customers that are going to stand behind us because one day when something happens, they're going to need us to stand behind them, and which we've all done. And we've had the same customers since the beginning, whether it's Right Sleeve or Canary or Brandvia or whoever yeah. it is, we got to where we are because of customers like that. Yeah, 100%. What do you think the future looks like for uh, small to mid-sized suppliers that choose not to take on outside capital or choose to be acquired? Do they have a bright future or is it scary? I like to think we had a bright future. We 
did it properly, we still have an extremely bright future, even brighter now. But for a, a guy kind of like starting in this industry that you know, has a couple of years in or whatever, the hardest part is, I mean, there's a lot of economic uncertainty, right? And like Mike and I recognize that where every day is a day closer to the recession hitting and everyone's got different targets for when that's going to happen. We've got here in the States, a mess of an import situation from a tariff perspective. So, yep. you know, for a small to mid-sized supplier, I would just say diversify, be careful. You know, you don't want all your eggs in one basket in case something bad does happen. But I do think there's promise and potential for these small to mid-sized guys because we did it. Other people have done it. And it's just going to be harder to compete with some of these big players now in the space. And there's a lot of market consolidation, which, you know, people have kind of talked about over and over in this industry. It's just like every week, Halo buys one of my customers, you know, but I would say, there's promise. Just make sure you're well aligned and you know your portfolio diversified from like right. you know a business perspective too, just in case something bad happens. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. You know, and again, that's entrepreneurial advice, right? That you're right. That you're dispensing. There's some people that will say that an industry that is rapidly consolidating eliminates innovation, or innovation takes a hit. And some people will paint a picture of like. What does this industry look like if there are only six suppliers that you buy from? Right. And, you know, now your ability to innovate and your ability to even have leverage over suppliers and choice just goes out the window. As someone who has represented that sort of rebel up and coming supplier that was in a particular category, do you think there's any truth to that or is that BS? Do you mean like, is it harder to innovate or be a rebel in a bigger enterprise? No, no, sorry. I think to be clear, what I was asking is, do you think the consolidation that we see right now in the industry from a supplier perspective is a good or a bad thing for innovation in our industry? I see it both sides. So from an innovation perspective, there's just a couple of these big suppliers like left or not left, but just forming. I think from a capital perspective, hopefully there's enough capital behind each of these bigger companies where there still will be innovation from like an entrepreneur's perspective, right? From an entrepreneur's perspective, if you're a small guy and you're innovating in this industry, it's going to be hard for you to compete with the big, big players because they're going to have major market share and more dollars to grow and try to crush, I guess, your dreams, I guess, in a sense, if you're a small, small fish. But I do think there is entrepreneurial innovation in each of these companies, whether it's someone on CJ's team at HIT coming out with the next big thing or someone at you know, Alpha Butter coming out with the t-shirt that instantly changes color or whatever it is. I do think there's entrepreneurial innovation that exists. It's just only that innovation is going to come from like six or seven big players now because that's the way it's going. But I think from a small business perspective, there will always be innovation. And as the consolidation happens, you'll just hear about it more probably at these bigger enterprises. I tend to agree. And I also think the jury's out to some extent. I think that whenever I'm asked that question, I think on one hand, you'll say a consolidated industry with only a couple of players is boring and innovation would suffer. So, I mean, that's maybe one view, but I've also just from having been in the industry for almost 20 years now, it's fascinating to me that every time I go to either a local show or I go down Expo or one of the ASI shows, the bigger suppliers do get bigger, but then there's all these new suppliers, these small suppliers that'll pop up, and they'll usually these small suppliers, to be fair, will fall into one of two categories. One will be yet another guy who's got another cap or another <laughs> mug that looks exactly the same as the Leeds mug or the you know the Debco mug, and you roll your eyes and go, this guy probably won't be around. 
next year. Right. But then you'll also see the next Jason and Mike. You'll see the next Rumi. You'll see the next Rustico. You'll see the next Jim Martin at Numo. And I think some of them may go out of business (laughs) the following year, but then others will find this little hole that is not being filled and they'll continue to mine that. And then they end up like you nine years later with having made a really exciting impact on the industry. So I think that's my view that you really need the big fish, the foundational hits and hubs and PCNAs of the industry, because I think that keeps it stable. But then there's nothing stopping the next Jason and Mike from coming in and filling a gap. And that's the wonderful thing about the industry. And I also say the same thing whenever anyone says like Halo is going to buy up everyone in the industry. Halo is amazing, but the barriers to entry to be a distributor are so low that an innovative player can join from his or her college dorm room and pulse in a credit card. Yeah. You know, that's good and bad, but I, I think it's mostly good. Yeah, I agree. And when you ask distributors all the time, cause everyone's at the show and it's like, Oh, what's the cool thing you've saw? And you always hear it from, you know, the Numas, the Rusticos, the Orgadios, the, you know, whoever the XYZ, the Strideline socks of the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's never like, oh yeah, like Leeds came out with this thing, and it's just like amazing and game changing. Yeah, because I think it's, I guess, a little sliver of all the different things they come out with. So it's harder to make an impact when you come out with a thousand new items at a time, versus if you're, you know, Strideline socks and you come out with the sock that's got the pocket in it. I can't remember what it's called. Like, and you come out with two other products. Of course, it's going to stand out. Yeah, because you're in a different basket almost. Yeah. you know. But there's still a lot of holes that need some like people to come up in and change some of these sectors in this space. There's still a lot of change that should happen. A lot of promising things that can come from some of these smaller enterprises. But the question like you were asking is how long before they're gobbled up by someone big? Yeah, it's hard to tell There's a life cycle. But when I was speaking to some people about this acquisition before this podcast, I think that that was one of the recurring themes. Like if someone like Orgadio is going to sell, does that represent a hit to innovation? And I think it's the exact opposite. Bill and Kirby on their podcast were, I think, really balanced in their view in terms of how this, I think what I think Bill said this, said that now this gives you a bigger platform to innovate at an even greater level, which if you don't, I'm going to track you down. And I don't think that's the case, right? Give you a bigger check and the right infrastructure, then you can innovate at a level you couldn't innovate at before. Yeah, that's what was like the most attractive thing is now our reach and the financial backing, like it only allows us to put like way more fuel in the rocket to get to Mars yeah. faster. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was a huge draw point for us is we want to fuel this thing even more. I mean, we're on hockey six style growth and we want to throw four more hockey sticks into this growth pattern, you know? And the only way we were going to get there was outside capital, but the future's bright. Like we're not stopping. We're not changing anything we're doing. We're just doubling down more to grow and make a larger impact and turn more heads around. Yeah, that's great. One more question, Jason. What was the thing that you and Mike disagreed upon the most when deciding to sell Origadio? Excellent question. No one's asked it. And that's why you're smarter than the average bear because you ask the questions that no one else will ask. So kudos to you for asking it. The biggest thing I think was when, right? As an entrepreneur, when you start your business, it's always timing, right? When do I launch this? When do I need more capital? When are we going to get that next big deal? It was, it was when. 
you know, was it the right time three years ago? Yeah, it was the right time to sell, but we decided to double down more. So the hardest and the biggest disagreement was when's the right time to sell? Do we want to wait till we're that much closer to the recession? Do we want to sell too early? So it was constantly like Mike and I always played the briefcase game. You know, how much would you walk away for today? How much would it take for you to sell your business and do something else today? And once we finally got close to the same answer, we said, hey, you know what? I think we should pursue this angle because we've been at it for a while. We want to cash out some chips. And once we were finally aligned on when was the right time to sell. So I don't know. It was just the when game. And we we didn't disagree. We just had different answers, right? Yeah. I was trying to find the time when our answers aligned, which was September 14th, a week ago. So Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, this is uh, certainly chapter one of this conversation. And I know how busy you are and appreciate you taking some time a couple of days after the deal to have a little conversation about this. And I think it'll be of great value to the PK community. And certainly big shout out to you and all of uh, the great work you've done on our team at Promo Kitchen. And we salute you, sir, and as well as the hub folks. Yeah, we're super excited. Uh, Anything for the PK crew. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org slash donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.